Today I want to talk to you about your reading habits in 2016. More specifically, your reading habits regarding the Bible. I talked to you a little bit about this a few weeks ago, but I want to be more specific. And I put a similar challenge forth in this area last January, and I would like to again. You see, I believe we are missing so much as, as Christians, as individuals. We're missing so much that could be gained, so much that could be enhanced our lives with the consistency of the study of God's Word. And it's really something I want us to focus on in 2016, corporately and individually. The story is told of a preacher whose car broke down. He was a country preacher. He was driving out on the roads, the country roads, and his car broke down. This was the day before cell phones, and so he had to walk to a nearby roadhouse in order to make a phone call. He went in, he made his phone call, and as he was waiting for the tow truck, he spotted a friend of his, Frank. Frank was sitting over at the bar and looking mighty shabbily and, and, and kind of down in the dumps. Frank, what happened to you, Frank? The pastor asked. You used to be so put together, and now you just, what's wrong? You used to have money, and now you look like you have nothing. Frank said, explained to the pastor, well, a number of poor investments had led to a downfall. He'd begun to lose everything in his life. Slowly but surely, all his things were going away. The pastor said, Frank, here's what you need to do. You need to go home right now. You need to go home and you need to pray and you need to take out your Bible and take out your Bible and pray. And Frank, then I want you to open up your Bible and I want you to put your finger in a spot. And wherever you put your finger, I believe that's God's answer for you to this dilemma that you're facing. Weeks, months actually, many, many months later, many, many months later, the pastor ran into Frank again. But this time, Frank didn't look shabby. Frank was dressed to the nines, and he looked amazing, and he just stepped out of this brand new Mercedes, and, and the pastor said, Frank, what happened? He said, oh, pastor, thank you so much for your advice. I owe it all to you. He said, I did exactly what you said. I went home, I opened my Bible, I prayed, and I put my finger in the Bible, and then I looked, and I did as it said. Chapter 11. No one gets it. No bankruptcy people in here? It's right, it fell flat in first service too. <laughs> I believe there's a, Bible, a lot of things the Bible wants to do for us, a lot of blessings the Bible could, that God could do through our consistent study of the word. But many of us are like Frank. We kind of open our Bibles and we hope, if I hunt and peck here and there, that somehow, magically, some good moment will come out of it. This is how we kind of spend our time, maybe in our Bible study. It's, well, I haven't looked at my Bible in weeks, maybe months, maybe even years for some, and we open it up, okay, well, I'm gonna go right there. Okay, what does that say? You have plowed with wickedness, you have reaped, reaped in iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men, and we go, huh, well, I guess that's my Bible reading for the day, and we miss out on all the things that God could bless us with. I believe the Bible could speak to our lives 
in such powerful and amazing ways. The Bible has many promises for us, and the Bible could be a rich teacher, not just on the occasion, not just with the random finger pointing, but, but through the consistency of the study of God's Word. And so I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles today as we talk about this to the book of Isaiah, the text that we read, the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. One of my favorite texts in all of the scriptures. It's been my, one of my favorites for years. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. You can pull out the Pew Bible in front of you. We're going to have a lot of Bible texts in here, so I hope that you'll pull out your Bibles and that you'll spend some time looking at them. Or you can use your smartphones or your tablets. We have Wi-Fi in here as well. But Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there and water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which, for which I sent it. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I've claimed this promise of Scripture probably literally thousands of times in my life. It is one of my favorite evangelistic texts. My absolute favorite evangelistic text. I claim it often when I prepare to give a Bible study or when I'm about to preach an evangelistic sermon that I'm, that I'm a little nervous about because it might be a challenging message, a challenging topic, and I'll pray, God, just as you send the rain and it brings forth what you desire, Lord, I pray that as you send the word today that you'll speak through me and that it'll bring forth what you desire in these people's lives, that it'll, that it'll speak to their hearts and their minds and it'll grow something in their minds. I've, I've claimed this promise many many times at an evangelistic uh, level for evangelism. My friend Carrie is sitting here this morning, and, and I prayed this prayer before we did our meetings, and Carrie sent me the most wonderful note, uh, and she said, I came here, and she said, on the second night, what was preached just hit me, and my whole life was changed in a moment, amen, at the evangelistic meetings. She lives over like two hours away or something like that. But pray for her. She's been studying God's word, and, and uh, we're excited about that. But uh, I told her, I wrote back to her, and I said, well, praise God, because that was the night I felt like I did the worst job of any of the evangelistic meetings. And so it just shows that God answers that promise. So I've preached this and claimed this promise many, many times in regards to, to evangelism. But, but this week, as I was reading this, I saw that promise, maybe for some odd reason, for the first time in my life, not in an evangelistic scope, but that God was saying, this is a promise for you personally as well. This is a promise for your life as well. That, that as I send my word into your life, I will do, I will accomplish things in your heart and in your mind as well. This promise, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, you may have prayed it. I've heard other people pray it for their family members and for their friends and for their coworkers. And I've heard them pray it at evangelistic meetings as well. But I want to say that I want us to think about this text today in the context of our own personal lives and our own personal hearts. Believing this promise that, that God desires, when we read the word of God, that he desires to do something in us and that he will fulfill that promise in our lives. As we talk about reading the scriptures in 2016 and as we talk about all the blessings that come from reading the Bible, they don't actually come, folks. They don't actually come because there are black or even red words written within this 
this nice book that we call the Holy Bible. The blessings are reality because of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Another one of my favorite texts, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Another one of my favorite texts. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 19 and 20. Paul writes this, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. As we talk today about some of the promises that God gives to us uh, through the study, through the reading, through the understanding of his word. It's not because it's simply in this book that says Bible. It's not because it's simply because the church said it was so. It's not because it's written in red or in black letters. It's because Jesus was born a human baby. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. Jesus was resurrected, and Paul says because Jesus was resurrected, we have hope in all things. And now Jesus is our intercessor in heaven. And because of all of this, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, because of all this, all the promises of this book, because of Jesus Christ, are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All the promises. Think about that. If you take the time to read through the Bible, page after page after page, you'll find promises from God's word. And each one of those promises is an absolute yes through Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing. Many of us have made promises to many people, and those promises have been broken. Many of us have said, yes, yes, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. And then two weeks later, we get the phone call. Hey, did you do that thing? And we're thinking there right now. Do I tell the truth that I've completely forgotten, or do we lie and say, oh, I'm, I'm on there right now. That was, I was just working on that. No one else has done this before? Okay. Maybe only me. But God's not that way. His promises are all yes in Christ Jesus. What would happen if you and I committed to spending more time reading the Bible every day, not missing a single day, not missing a single moment? What would we discover? Would we discover the blessings, the gifts of God's word? We're heading into January. We're starting a new year. It seems that we should start off on the right foot. And I want to give you four reasons why. I want to give you four reasons why that you and I should take time daily to spend more time reading God's word. Four reasons why you and I should, should, should take time to, to, to invest in just a few minutes a day in the reading of God's word. Four reasons. First reason is joy. Turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms and the 43rd Psalm. The book of Psalms and the 43rd Psalm. Once you get there, we're going to be in Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God. So first of all, the psalmist is saying, let me send out your light and your truth. The light and the truth is, is the word of God. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then, 
as I've seen your light, as I've been led by your light, as I've been led by your truth, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Joy. The more time we spend with God, the more we will find him to be our exceeding joy. Let me ask you, would you like to have more joy in your life in 2016 than you did in 2015? Even people that are extremely joyful would still say, yes, I'd like to have more joy in my life in 2016 than I had in 2015. The Bible tells us through his word, through the word of God, through time spent with the word of God, we will find him to be our exceeding joy. Him to be our exceeding joy. I was sitting at lunch this last week with a Claude Richley, I write my sermons on Wednesday. It was actually a Tuesday that I was there, I believe, uh, at the uh, writing of my sermon. I was sitting in lunch with, with Claude Richley, who preached a wonderful, wonderful sermon last Sabbath in first service, and I was blessed by it, and I told him how blessed I was. And we were sitting there dialoguing about this sermon, and, and we were going back and forth, and Claude had this amazing look of joy on his face and there was joy in his voice and his eyes were, were all sparkling. Um, I'm not, I don't make it a purpose to look into guys' eyes and see them sparkle, but, but his eyes were sparkling and, and he just was exuberant. He was full of joy. And I was talking about the sermon. He said, and, and Chad, even today, God just woke me up this morning and I was studying further on this topic and he was explaining to me what he's learning he said back in genesis and then we go all the way to this and he was just explaining this to me and he had such joy in him and the food was fine but it wasn't the food and i think i'm okay company but it wasn't the come what what was that joy about it was about what god was teaching him what he was discovering in the word of god as he was, he was just saying, isn't God, isn't, isn't this so amazing how God just connects all this through Scripture? And he had this, this joy in him. You don't find that, folks, when you're hunting and pecking in the moment. It's that, it's that consistency, that, that daily investing in the relationship with God. Joy. We want to experience more joy in 2016? The Bible says that as we are led by the light and the truth of God's word, that we will find ourselves finding God to be our exceeding joy in our lives. The second reason that hearing, reading, studying the words of God found in the Bible is the reason why we should do this is because it will increase our faith. Here is a promise, and remember, the promises are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus, not because I say so. They're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 10, And verse 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Another great scripture. Romans 10 and verse 17. Here Paul is writing again. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Folks, so this isn't talking about just hearing the word of God on occasion on a Sabbath morning. This is talking about consistently hearing from God through his word. We're not just, our faith doesn't just grow because we, we go to church. Our faith grows as we spend time in relationship with Jesus Christ, learning from his word, learning from his truths, learning from that relationship. Maybe one of the ways you know if, if your relationship is more built on those Sabbath to Sabbath 
I don't know if any of you can relate to, to kind of this feeling, but if you have those moments where on Sabbath morning you're like, oh, I'm so glad it's Sabbath. I can just relax. I can finally just relax. And then you leave and you, have, you go to church and you, you're at church and you leave kind of with this, 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 this extra little boost after you leave church. And then all the rest of your week is like this downhill, uh, and then you finally get, to, oh, it's Sabbath again. That might be telling you folks that, and telling us that we're not spending enough time with God's word. God doesn't want us to be one day a week Christians. He wants us to be seven day a week Christians, right? Every single day hearing from his word so our faith can be built up. You know, I find it funny sometimes in my life. It's, it's, it's the silliest thing in the world. When I'm struggling with my faith, there are those moments that I say, I, man, I'm just really struggling with my faith. And then I think, well, I've got to get stronger before I can actually go to God. Anyone else ever have those moments? I've got to get stronger before I can actually go to God. When actually the Bible says just the opposite, that you go to God and that's how your faith grows. How many of us could use more faith in 2016? All of us, I believe we could. If we're like the average Americans, which probably most of us are not even the average Americans, if we're just like the average citizen in this world, Pew Research says that the majority of people in this world have no faith in their governments. Anyone want to make a testimony of faith for the government today? No one? Most of them say that they have no faith in the economy. The Pew Research shows that the majority of people in the world today have no faith that the future is going to get better than it has been in the past. In such a faithless world, we need an extra measure of faith. We need something to have faith in. The Bible tells us that as we, as we hear from the word of God, as we hear the word of God, the truths of God, that our faith will grow. Our faith will grow. None of us knows what is going to take place in 2016. None of us know that the struggles we will face in 2016. We need faith in those moments. I'd love to say for all of us that 2016 is gonna be this beautiful, smooth ride. But the Bible tells us something. In this world, you will have what? And, and we don't know if those troubles are, are, are gonna be great or they're gonna be small, but I can guarantee you this. The troubles that the devil will put before you will require a measure of faith in your life. We need to spend time in the word of God so that we'll have faith in those difficulties. So we spend more time, why? To have joy. We spend more time to have faith. The third reason to spend more time in the Bible in 2016 is because God's word is the only perfect source of guidance. The only perfect source of guidance. Here's the promise that is a yes through Christ Jesus. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Back to the Psalms. Psalm 119 and verse 105. And something interesting about Psalm 119, which kind of could tie together with our sermon today, is Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in all the Bible. It's one of the longest chapters in all of Scripture. And guess what its entire theme is about? Spending time in God's Word. The longest psalm and, the, and, and one of the longest chapters in all the Bible is entirely about spending time 
in God's word. But Psalm 119, verse 105, many of you know this text. You had to memorize this text when you were in Sabbath schools or Sunday schools as a little kid. Your word is a lamp to my feet and what? A light to my Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I guarantee you almost every single day, everyone in here has decisions to make, don't we? Every single one of us has decisions to make. And the older you get, the more complex those decisions become. Don't we need a light? Don't we need a lamp to guide us, to direct us? The Bible promises us that the word of God will be that lamp to our feet and that light to our path. Can I say something really quickly to the teenagers in here or to those almost teenagers in here? Just really quickly to the teenagers and those almost teenagers and the adults are welcome to listen in too. If you're going through a reversion to your teenage years, that's fine. I've mentioned my past sins in here on many an occasion the drugs, the girls, the general state of debauchery that I, that I lived in for a number of years in my youth. Growing up, hear this, young folk, growing up, I never planned to do drugs. No intention in my life ever to do drugs. I had no intention ever in my life to be promiscuous. Never, never had that, that thought in my mind that this is who I was going to be. I never planned to wander away from God. I never planned to leave God. But I also never put a lamp before my feet or a light before my path. And so when I faced those decisions, I simply said, okay. Christina, my wife, she never planned to do drugs She never planned on being promiscuous either. And guess what? She wasn't. Never. Never in her life. And I know this is anecdotal. I know this is anecdotal. But can I give you a reason that I believe one of the reasons why Christina, when she faced those decisions in her life, went the other direction? Because to my wife's own testimony, when she was in fifth grade, her mom bought her her first Bible and prayer journal. And Christina has told me at fifth grade, at the late age of fifth grade, she began to do her daily devotions, to spend time reading and journaling through the Bible and praying through the Bible at fifth grade. So when she came to those places in her life, she had a lamp and a light to guide her path, to guide her feet. And as she came to those decisions, she chose the right way. Young people, you say, I've never planned to do this, I never planned to do this, I never planned to do this. So many that go through high school, never plan to do anything, and never doing anything in high school, they get to college, and then there's these these challenges, these struggles. I would encourage you now to put that lamp before your feet, that light to your path even now. You may not plan, I never planned to do any of those things, I ended up doing them all. I never had a light, a lamp to guide me. Adults, we're no different. We have decisions to make every day, decisions in honesty, decisions in truthfulness, decisions in our work life and in our family life, decisions as parents, decisions in our private life that no one else sees. We have decisions every single day. Are we making the point to make the word of God a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path? Do you want your decision making to be better in 2016 than it was in 2015? Do you want your decision making to be better, yes or no? Yes, we do. 2016 to be better than it was in 2015.
15. Just by spending consistent time in the Bible, the promise is yes, that it will be so, that you will make better decisions by spending consistent time with the Word of God. That is a promise. Joy, faith, guidance. Three reasons, three reasons that, that, that we need to be more consistent and spend more time in the Word of God. Three things that we all want. We all want more joy, we all want more faith, and we all would like to be guided to make wise decisions in our life. The Word of God promises all those things through spending time with Him. The fourth reason, number, reason number four to read your Bible is this. This is the one thing. Spending this time with God in your daily study, this is the one thing which will not be taken away from you. Which will not be taken away from you. I don't know about you all, and I know some of you think of me as a very young pup, but the older I get, and I am almost 38 after all. The older I get, the older I get, the more I realize the finiteness of life. The more I realize how easily things go away, how easily things can be taken away. Not just my hair or my brown hair turning to gray, but things like my health. I'm more aware as I spend time with, with other adults and see what they're going through, I realize that, that relationships can in just like that. I realize that, 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 that loved ones can be lost in a moment. This year, one of my best friends for 22 years died, and just like that, I lost a friend. And you realize the finiteness of life the older you get. Here is the promise that is yes through Jesus Christ, that this is the one thing that you can hold on to, even if everything else is taken away. It comes in the form of a Bible story. Turn to the book of Luke Chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse 30. This is speaking of Jesus and the disciples. They were coming into a town, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now it happened as they went, that's Jesus and his disciples, that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said to, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, and listen to what it said, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, some of you may have felt this way during Christmas time. You might have said this to your husbands, or your wives, whatever the case may be. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, and then listen to this, which will not be taken, what? Away from her. That one thing which will not be taken away from her. Folks, as this world draws closer and closer to its end, the devil will take more and more and more away from us. That's the nature of this world. The one thing that the devil cannot take from you is that time that you've spent at the feet of Jesus learning from his word. He can take your money, he can take your, your loved ones, he can take your possessions, he can take your health. But the one thing you cannot be taken from you is that time that you spent with Jesus. 
And you know what's the great thing about that? Is even, because the promises, remember the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Even if we're losing those things and we're going through those struggles, the promises is that if we're spending time with Jesus, even if we're losing everything else, we can still have joy in Christ Jesus. We may have some sorrow. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Remember that. The Bible tells us we can still have faith even as everything is collapsing around us. We'll still have guidance as everything is collapsing around us. Those are the promises. Because the one thing that cannot be taken away is the blessings that we receive from spending time with Jesus Christ. Whatever 2016 holds for you. There's some that came into 2015 that I know. They came in with strong, happy, and healthy marriages. And they left 2015 having lost a spouse, having lost a a child, having lost a job. I don't know what 2016, I hope none of you lose anything. I hope none of us lose anything. But I don't know what we're going to lose. But I know it can never be taken away from me. And that's that time sitting at the feet of Jesus and the blessings that come from that relationship. Jesus wants that for each and every one of us. Four things, four reasons to spend more time daily in the word of God in 2016. Because the word of God helps us to realize that Jesus is our exceeding joy, that God is our exceeding joy. Because because the word of God, as we hear and we learn of the word of God, it builds and it bolsters our faith. And in a faithless world, we need more faith. Because the word of God guides us and each one of us is making decisions on a daily basis that affect our lives for eternity and we need a guide. And finally, because no matter what is taken away from us in 2016, the blessings of spending time at the feet of Jesus can never be removed from the devil or this wicked world. Four reasons to read the Bible daily in 2016. I'm gonna close in just a minute with a challenge about this, but before I close with a challenge about reading the Bible in 2016, I wanna add a little bonus to your 2016 reading. And it's in the, na- in the form of a name, the name Ellen G. White. Some of you, as I said that name, might have just turned off your hearing aids, literally or metaphorically. And if you did, I understand. At one point in my life, hearing that name would immediately turn my mind off as well. In fact, when I accepted Jesus, and this is why it's good to never make absolute statements on your own merits or on your own power or on your own basis, but when I accepted Jesus uh, many, many years ago, when I was uh, April 26, 1996, um, shortly after that, I made a statement. I said, I will never try to convince anyone to become a Seventh-day Adventist. Carrie, I praise the Lord, I've broken that promise, and to others of you as well. I never will try to convince anyone to become a Seventh-day Adventist. Second thing I said is I will never, ever mention Ellen White. I think I threw in the ever as well. The reason I said this was not because I had any history or knowledge, but it because, it's because when I was a wayward teenager, a wandering teenager, my well-intentioned Grandpa Stewart, my dad's dad, when he found out that I had never read anything from Ellen White, he said to me something that he probably should not have said. There was an ill-advised statement. And if even you've ever, ever made this statement to a young person, please find them and apologize immediately. But he said to me, you've never read Ellen White? Chad, you are risking your salvation. Well, I had no salvation at the time to risk, but that foolish old school sentiment stuck with me. And so I made a vow that when I was a Christian that I would never, ever mention her or be connected in that way. A vow 
I am pleased to say I have fully broken. In fact, most people I know that are against the writings of Ellen White are against her writings for three reasons. Three reasons why I found that most people don't want to read Ellen White or do not read Ellen White that I've found in my life. Like me, maybe they've had someone say something stupid to them or use the writings, her writings in a negative way against them in their lives. Maybe they lived in, a, in an oppressive and a repressive home where, where, where that authoritarian attitude was, was always supported by the writings of Ellen White. Then, of course, that person doesn't want to hear from Ellen White. That makes perfect sense. This is, and then there's a second group the second reason why I know many don't, and this seems to be a vast majority amongst my age group, they've never actually read anything that she wrote and, and, and have simply allowed their parents who had the bad experiences of issue number one to define her and the meaning of her writings for them. I mean, I grew up hearing it all the time. Oh man, Ellen White this, Ellen White this, Ellen White this. Ellen. I was like, why would I ever want to read any of that? All that negativity. I mean, my dad was, was, was spanked because he got grass stains on his Sabbath clothes. And I heard the stories about how, you know, we have our proper dress for Sabbath and, 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 and he wasn't allowed to chew gum, you know, because Miss White talks about gum setting the stomach or something like that. I've never read that one, but that's what I heard. So why would you want to read that? So a lot of my generation have, have heard these things and, and, and formed their opinion. In other words, we've formed an opinion without intelligence, without intelligence. The third reason I've observed is that some have experienced a great tragedy in their life, maybe a death, a broken relationship, a divorce, a loss of a child, a bitter financial crisis in their life. What do those things have to do with someone rejecting Ellen White? Well, what I've found in my theory is they're a bit angry with God. People, when they go through these crises, are a bit angry with God. But they're not yet willing to give up on God. They're not willing to reject God or to abandon God. And so within the construct of Adventism, the next highest authority to attack is Ellen White. And that feels safe for them. Many people I know that have gone through a crisis, it is at that point that they've begun to say, you know what? I doubt her writings. I begin to reject her writings. I see some of you nodding in, in understanding of what I'm saying. They become critical of Ellen White. Maybe you fall into one of those three areas, or maybe you've just never even thought about her writings before. So I, so I just want to encourage you in 2016 to maybe consider this. Maybe for the first time, or maybe renewed again. Make her writings a regular part of your reading in 2016 as well. Give her a chance. Just, just see. Maybe go back to her for a fresh look. Not equal to the Bible. Not in place of the Bible. But I believe for your own edification. If you, if you don't, I'm not like my grandpa. I don't think you're going to be lost. But I believe for your own edification, for your own blessing. There was a study done a while back by Roger Dudley and Des Cummings, Des Cummings Jr. Des Cummings works down the Adventist health system in Florida, or the Florida Hospital Health System, and Roger Dudley's still up in the uh, Berrien Springs of the seminary area. They did a large study. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people surveyed. This wasn't a study, you know, we look at the presidential polls, and we see these studies, 
And I don't know if you ever look at the small numbers there and they say, okay, Trump has a 18 point lead or, or Hillary Clinton has a, has a whatever, 40 point lead or whatever it may be. And you see these, these little numbers in the corner and it's based on a questionnaire of about a thousand people. And you know what? Those polls fairly accurately predict most of the time our presidency. This was a poll of thousands upon thousands, much larger than those presidential polls, and they polled people. And here's what they found out, why I'm sure that, that, that reading her writings have an edifying aspect to our lives. They found 89% of those that regularly read Ellen White, they self-reported that they had a strong relationship with Jesus versus 59% that never read her. Assurance of salvation. I've heard people say this. This is something I heard. Oh, reading Ellen White can be so discouraging and, and she'll begin to cause you to doubt your faith and, and she'll, she'll cause you to not have assurance in your relationship with Jesus. Again, those reporting that they read Ellen White on a consistent daily basis, 82% of those that read Ellen White said that they were sure of their salvation in Jesus Christ. Those that did not read her writings they reported only a 59% assurance. Young people, those of you that are socially conscious, and maybe you want your parents to become more socially conscious, you should encourage them to read the writings of Ellen White. Those that read Ellen White are, reg- are, are more likely to get involved in community service and serving outside of their church family than those that never read her writings. They have greater compassion for the lost. They have a tender heart for the lost. Here's another one I've heard. Well, people read Ellen White and they replace the Bible with Ellen White. Those that read their Bibles, 82% of those that read Ellen White also read their Bibles daily versus only 47% that never read her. So those within our church that never read, the Bible, uh, never read Ellen White, only 47% of those read their Bible daily. Why? Because it's true, no matter what falsities people have told you, she drives you back to the Bible. She points back to the Bible. She points back to the Bible, reminds you of the Bible. The list goes on and on in the study. Here's the concluding remark. Seldom does a research study find the evidence so heavily weighted toward one conclusion. In the church growth survey on every single item that deals with personal attitudes or practices of spiritual life, the member who regularly studies Ellen White's books tends to rank higher than does the member who reads them only occasionally or never based on people's own self-reporting. I said my piece about that, and I just ask you to consider it in 2016. Maybe anew for the first time, or maybe uh, fresh. The evidence shows reading more will bless you. The evidence of Jesus, the evidence and the yes of Jesus shows that reading your Bible consistently will give you more joy, it'll give you more faith, it'll give you more, it'll give you greater guidance, and it will be the truth. It'll be the truth planted in your heart from which no one, not even the devil himself, will be able to take away from you. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, or what I promise, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God was sent to each one of us to give us greater joy, to give us greater faith, to guide us, and to be the thing which can never be taken away from us. And so I wanna challenge us to be readers of the word in 2016. 
You pull out your connection cards at this time, these little cards you got in your Bible. Everyone take them out. On the back side, it's challenges for 2016. Challenges for 2016. As you're pulling those out, I want you to begin thinking about what will God accomplish through my reading habits in 2016? Maybe some of you don't read at all. Maybe some of you don't even own a book. Maybe you only read on your e-reader. Say, Tom Evans was sharing with me that his e-reader, he got his e-reader and he he put a bunch of books on there. He's gone through the Bible on his, on his e-reader, and he's gone. You can get them from anywhere. There's no reason anymore uh, uh, not, to, not to be able to read these things. But in 2016, I want to challenge us to daily read through the writings, the scriptures, the, the, the God's word. If you want to accept that challenge, I accept the challenge to read through the entire Bible during 2016. Go ahead and check that box. And here's the thing, folks, I'm going to commit to this as well. And because I know myself, and because I know my lack of discipline at times, here's my other commitment to you all. I am going to be blogging through my daily reading every single day. You guys don't have to tell me if you're reading, but I'm going to let you know that I'm reading. I'm going to be accountable to you. I need to be accountable to somebody. We all need accountability. That's one of the reasons why we're a part of a church. The Bible established a church. I mean, God established a church, not just to come hang out, but so that we could be accountable to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to be accountable to you. And so every day I'm going to be blogging through. You're going to be reading my journaling through the scriptures as I go. I put out some 52-week reading plans that are out there at the welcome desk. You may want to if you want to follow along with my blog and you want to read along with me, you'll want to get this because I'm not reading starting in Genesis and going to Revelation. I've done that before, and uh, I also know how challenging that can be for me. My ADD has a little bit of challenge with that, and uh, I like to jump around. So on Sunday, we'll be in the epistles. On Monday, the law. On Tuesday, history. On Wednesday, the Psalms. On Thursday, we'll be in the poetry books. On Friday, we'll be in the prophetic books. And on Sabbath, we're going to spend time with Jesus, learning specifically about his life death and resurrection and his intercession for us. We're going to be in the Gospels every single uh, Sabbath with our reading. So if you like one of those copies of this 52-week Bible reading plan, you can get it there. Or if you watch my blog uh, that that we'll post here soon, you'll see it on the Facebook page and some other places, Um, you can go ahead and read along with that. But folks, this is for me to be accountable to you. If I miss a day, I want you all to send me an email, okay? Every single one of you, you're welcome to do it. I give you free permission. And as long as you don't curse at me, you can send any word you like to chastise and rebuke me. It's perfectly fine. I heard Don over here. Thanks, Tony. (laughs) I accept the challenge to read through the entire Bible during 2016. Let's make this commitment together. Imagine a whole church reading the Bible together. The next one, I accept the challenge, and this is a challenge I like to make, to read all or a portion of an Ellen White book during each month of 2016. This is what I like to challenge you in this. This is, the other reading is daily. This is just monthly. Take some time to read through a part of one of Ellen White's books, or maybe a whole book. Some of them are easy to read. I encourage you to accept that challenge as well. I'd encourage you to start with the great book, Steps to Christ. It's been a book I've read uh, a dozen times, well, not a dozen times, probably ten times, half a dozen, ten times in my life. It's one of the great blessings of my life. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, Christ's Object Lessons. Start with these. If you're a teacher, read the book Education. If you're into health ministries, read the book Ministry of Healing. And, uh, and if you're into evangelism, read the book Evangelism or Gospel Workers, and then we can talk because I read that book all the time and I love that book. Um, we can talk anyways about all the others, but that one we can talk and share some ideas. But I encourage you to take some time to do that. Give her a chance. 
Allow maybe the opinion about her to be reinformed there. But most importantly, we want to talk about that daily Bible reading. And let us see, let us see what God can do as he sends forth his word into our lives and he fulfills the promises that he wants to do through his word in 2016. And I pray that at the end of 2016, each one of us can say, I know Jesus more and I love him better. You know, that's one of the things we always say. We want to make Jesus better known and better loved. Folks, that's not just for outside. I want Jesus to be better known in my heart and better loved in my heart as well. And I hope you can say that for your life as well. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word that, that promises us to give us exceeding joy, that promises to, to give us an extra measure of faith, that promises to, to, to guide us, that promises to be that one thing that we can't take away. Not because it's simply words on a page, but all those promises are because the word of God teaches us to know you, Jesus, and to love you more. And we thank you for that. I pray for this church family, Jesus. You know I love them. You know how grateful I've been over this last year. And I pray that 2016 will be an even greater year for us individually and corporately. In your name we pray. Amen.